Welcome back to the Four Gardens Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Ifshin. The Four Gardens Podcast features conversations with inspiring people making contributions in the areas of health, nature, creativity, and service. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Zach Townsmith, and we're going to talk about creativity, yoga, all kinds of other topics. I can't wait for this conversation. Zach, welcome onto the show here. Really great to have you. I, this is, Zach has been one of my big influences over the last five years. Really changed the way I think about creativity, how, our, how my mind works, how to, how to express that and access my creativity. I can't wait to, to get into some of these practices and wisdom you're bringing around creativity. You've also been an amazing yoga teacher to me. I got a yoga teacher training with you in Kula Collective, which is a group you're a founder of. And as I've got to know you as a friend, I've learned uh, all these other dimensions about you too, about your capoeira teaching. I've had the privilege of visiting your retreat center twice in Tennessee called Seven Springs, just an incredible land stewardship project, multi intergenerational project where you gather people all the time and do such amazing work there. Yeah, and just also I've been inspired by the way you've used creativity for social justice too and for regeneration, uh, both in Guatemala and, and all of, and other countries as well. So you've done a lot to inspire me and you've been one of the guests I'm really looking forward to having on the show here. So thanks so much for coming on and just curious how you're doing today. Awesome. Well, let me just uh, say that as everything in life, this this relationship is mutual and I, I feel like I've gotten a lot of inspiration by from you and the way that you have set up things and the way that you have run things and the way that you have uh, always been a, a, a critical, a critical meaning like, like making judgments about what's coming in and not just accepting anything, but really like being, being careful about what you, what you let into your atmosphere and then how you move with it. So, so it's awesome. I'm, I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, yeah. And that's my day this morning, uh, you know, waking up, a little bit later than usual. My, my, my son is around because of a, a COVID blip and just giving so much gratitude that the, the, the blip is just a blip in our family. And, and what it results in is that we get more family time. Yay. So he's three. And then we have a, a, a seven week old, um, who's, who's getting big and, and, uh, yeah, it's a quiet day in Seven Springs. There's no there's no guests here today, so um, so that that brings a little bit of, of spaciousness in our lives as well. And and what better way than to 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 fill it than than by joining you here on 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 this amazing venture, Four Gardens. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation too. Yeah, thanks so much again for being here. I know there's a lot happening there, and two two young sons that are adorable running around. I'm uh, looking forward to meeting the second the new the newborn too has just arrived. And yeah, it's so good to have you on. And there's so many dimensions, so many areas we could take this conversation. But for the first, I feel like what's important in this first conversation together is to talk about creativity. And we'll be sharing in a separate practice episode the a bit more about flow and some techniques around creativity to check out. That's going to be coming up soon. And today, though, I want to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of the flow design, which is Zach's process he's created that I've worked through myself twice and is also has some responsibility for the creation of this podcast and this show. It's yeah. uh, kind of grown out of some of that work. But I want to, let's talk about creativity as a field in general and, and how you got involved into creativity. 
Yeah. First, I want to just uh, remind you that I like to substitute the word play for the word work as often as possible. So, you know, this is, this is an out an out shoot. One of the, one of the ways in which, in which our play has, has resulted in something. (laughs) Um, and I, I love the question of how I got involved in creativity. Um, because it's, as life is a roundabout path, right? I mean, there's so many aspects of my life that uh, that I've been that I've been sort of interested in creativity and the way that um, and the way that it, it it influences my life and the way I do things. You know, as a as a kid, I was um, playing the French horn and I was in in different groups and um, musical organizations. I was uh, I was playing sports, which is another form of creativity. Um, I, I got really into photography in college and that felt like a really amazing outlet for me to um, not only kind of kind of share with others my eye, but also to deepen my eye um, and to deepen the way that I look thing, look at things. Uh, so that was really powerful. And then photography brought me to Guatemala. Um, I was there as a volunteer working with kids um, who live on the dump in Guatemala City. The project is called Photo Kids. It's amazing. Uh, started by a woman named Nancy McGurr. And... Um, and my my volunteer position was to go and 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 try to help these kids understand how photography could be a tool to 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 support them and, and create the kind of lives that they wanted. And what I quickly realized is that I had way more to learn from them than they had to learn from me. Um, and so I was in Guatemala. Uh, I, I fell in love with the country and some friends and and, and a woman and. And ended up going back there uh, this time as a volunteer for an organization reuniting kidnapped children during the the conflict down there, um, which quickly turned into a, a university position teaching um, photography and teaching communications and research and and the quality of education. And um, it became clear to me that that um, one of my biggest mentors, John Dunn, uh, was the director of the communications department at the at the Jesuit University in Guatemala City. And he hired me on and brought me on for research projects and um, and teaching, you know, thesis classes and advising and helping him redesign the thesis system in the at the university level uh, so that it would be actually more creative, essentially, um, and less kind of like filling out, you know, ticking boxes. Um, and so I was doing this and um, and he actually got ousted because that's not what the university was interested in. Um you know, you get a bunch of communicators uh, on the on the on the thesis board, and they're not interested in more communicators coming through. So, so there's a lot of kind of difficult uh, vibes in the academic world, as in everywhere. So, um, I was out of the academic world. I was working for a photographer when a friend of my wife at that time um, said that he was interested in starting a, an NGO with me. And, and he was at the time working for the Ministry of Culture and Sports in Guatemala. Um, interesting combination of, of, of ministries. Uh, but in that, in that position, in the, as the minister at that point, was a man named uh, Kike. Jeez, uh, I just thought of his name. I'll, I'll come back to him. Um, but he was, he was very visionary, and he thought that creativity, um, he had studied with some really amazing people around the world, and he thought that creativity was a way that creativity that people could bring sort of uh, social and economic change and, and betterment to their to their communities. 
So what he did as a part of this program was identify leaders and communities all over the country and then bring them in once a month to receive workshops with some really amazing people from around the world. Um, Maria Iñiguez, uh, Gerardo Negovsen from Argentina, um, just just a really uh, amazing group of people that that came in and, and, and helped um, this this team of 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 what would be creativity facilitators go back to their communities and and kind of spark the creativity of their communities in a way that they would um, be able to find better solutions for their lives. So, so my partner at that time said, "Well, let's make an NGO that's that's has this same um, the same mission, and we can then essentially the society of imagination was what we were." what we were really moving towards. And so we created this, this nonprofit and, um, and started, we got a couple contracts to do quality of education work in some of the, some of the areas in Guatemala that have the least access to, to quality education. So we were working with middle school teachers running through rural areas and, 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 and it was in this, in this kind of melting pot that I began to see the way that creativity could be, sort of understood as not just an art as not just a, a, a kind of a an addition to something to make it cool uh but actually the 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 fuel the the spark that can lead to so much um you know so much betterment of x y z like every you know and um and then in, within that, I, I met a man named Tim Herson and in his com mind camp community. And um, he invited me very graciously to be a part of and, and an amazing community outside Toronto. And, and they're um, very much along the lines of uh, uh, the Buffalo State University School of Creativity. They have one of the first master's degrees in creativity studies. And, and, and I've been sort of wishing that I could take out the the big loans necessary to, to, to get my master's in creativity for a while. But at the end of the day, I decided I would do some more creative stuff rather than studying creativity um, and not have a debt at the end of the day. But that's, I guess that's kind of a long-winded version of how, like how I discovered creativity. Um, I didn't, I didn't know about it until I was in Guatemala really. And, and I think that because I came at creativity as a study from, from a different angle, than, than many people do who are now, what's very popular now is kind of this user experience design and human-centered design is coming out of the D school and, and um, the, which is the design school at Stanford. Um, it's a very, very popular and very well-respected place where people learn to design uh, using design thinking, things like this. Um, coming at it from from a more human-centered space in Guatemala um, uh, with, with the teachers that I had, I feel like I have uh, a little bit more well-rounded um, vision of, of of how creativity can impact an, an individual in their, you know, whether it's an illiterate Mayan woman that I worked with on a community project um, who said, this is the first time anybody's ever asked me my opinion about anything to, you know, somebody in a boardroom who who is much more used to having their opinion asked about things and, and how and how both of them have a journey to to really understand and 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 re reencounter their their creativity and, and the way that their creativity can can impact the world. I've been really grateful for this. I, I was introduced to this field through you, as as many others now are introduced to the field of 
creativity, thinking about it, separating it from art, as you described it, and thinking about it as a force for change in our lives and in the world. And I imagine this is new for some of our our listeners. The idea of creativity as a field, for some it'll be familiar, um, of this design-centered thinking, and it has permeated in some spaces. In other spaces, for me, I hadn't been seeing my creativity as separate from my art. And you and I, that I didn't mention in our intro, you and I share artistic collaborations we just uh, recorded some little music together and Zach's a great musical collaborator and friend and band leader and singer so yeah it's fun check out we'll check out Zach's music too and I you know I as a musician for so many years I just thought of creativity as uh my music you know I just thought I saw myself as my art as my creative space is my art but the separation between could give us a little more of how that looks in the world too. You know, you talked about some of your collaborators and teachers, but just some examples of separating creativity from art. How does that practically show up in the world? What advantages that give us? I think that way. Yeah. I mean, what, so one of the first things, and, and I'll actually invite anybody who's, who's, who's listening to this podcast to, to pause it for a minute. Um, not yet. Cause I'm about to tell you what I want you to do when you're going to pause it. So <laughs> just think about what creativity means to what, what is creativity? And this is a question that I ask anybody that I work with slash play with around creativity. It's, it's really important that you just think for a moment, feel for a moment, what, what is creativity? And, and, and I re- literally invite you to just pause for just a few minutes and jot something down or talk out loud or just really think of what is creativity for you. And if, if you would like to like, you know, within the, the, the context of this podcast, you know, is there a hashtag Jake that they can do to, to say creativity is, and then hashtag, you know, at you at the end for gardens. Uh, depending on where they're watching this, they could, uh, they could put it on the YouTube uh, comments. Yeah. It would be great or on the Facebook page. It all- sure. It would be amazing to hear because really I learned so much from this. What is creativity for you? And, and literally pause for just a, you know, a minute, and add your thoughts, like share, like let's, let's create a big something somewhere. <laughs> so pause. Okay. Unpause. That was cool. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Right. Thank you for think doing the thinking the, because that's really important for me. I can share with you, you know, my vision of creativity, which I've been working, playing with for, you know, 15 years more specifically, um, and a lifetime before that, but it's, really interesting to me to hear what you have to think. And as human beings, we have a tendency to to listen to experts' opinions as a way of kind of being a little bit lazy about our own. Um, you know, if I read it in a book, I tend to to be sort of more believing of that. So, so before I explain mine, you share yours. Not only do I learn from that, but then also um, it puts you in a place of, of being able to hear what I'm saying from a more, um, a more, more studied and a more nuanced position position because you already have your own position sort of established. I want to so try anyway. something. I want to try something, Zach, because I, I just, I created a definition of creativity for myself. Awesome. When I was making the four gardens, uh, developing that approach with a few friends. And I actually, that time I should get, I realized I should get some, uh, I was curious about your feedback on it too. Awesome. Uh, so we can get it in real time. And and this way of thinking, this creativity field has emerged as so important to me that I made it one of the four key areas, the four one of the four gardens for me that I see this as just integral to who we, who we are as humans and how we're, we operate in the world as like as being so fundamentally interwoven. And so for me, 
I, I tried to boil it down into one phrase for the website and I put it down as we express our intuition and imagination. So I saw it as an expression of intuition and imagination, which both are loaded words, all the words in there that need to be unpacked. Mm -hmm. But to me, that was my, that was my first little sentence stem around mm -hmm. it. Loaded indeed. Uh, there's, there's so much there. Expression. I, I feel like, you know, and when I ask people that, that invariably comes up, creativity is a way of expressing. Right. And what I love about that word is that it's like, it, it's, it's not, it's not about, you know, uh, like doing something that's not expressing means it comes from within and I'm expressing it like literally like pressing myself and it will come out. Right. And that, because it's inside of me. And I think that that's a critical piece of, of creativity that it is inside all of us. Um, I also love to ask people the question, you know, do you feel like we're all born creative and invariably people say yes. And then, okay, do you think we're all being creative all the time? And then people will say different things, but many people say, no, you know, we're not always expressing this. Well, why not? Well, then, then you get into a really interesting conversation about the ways in which we prevent ourselves from expressing our intuition, right? The way we, 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 we prevent ourselves from expressing our imagination. Um, there's, there's been some tests developed, uh, to, to sort of quantify how creative people are. And I, I'm not a fan of those tests. I, I feel like there's so many variables that go into testing. It's, it's, um, and it, and I don't, I don't, I don't actually know if it's, if it's that useful, but there are some useful things that have been done with it. Like, um, some longitudinal studies with children where two and three year olds have been giving these tests that were developed, uh, for, you know, CEOs so that they could hire more, more creative, you know, managers. They've, taken these tests and they've given them to three-year-olds and some ridiculous percentage of three-year-olds, like 98% of three-year-olds score in the 98th percentile of, of creativity. They're all creative geniuses, all of them. And then the same kids a year later, they give it to them and it, and it's starting to diminish, you know, that, that, that curve is going down and maybe it's like 75% of four-year-olds are creative geniuses. And then five, there's a big drop off at five and it goes down to 50%. And then by the time they're eight, it's like 12% of, of, of these kids who at three were all creative geniuses, only 12% are creative geniuses now, according to this test. So again, you know, caveats about the test itself. And it does show us that there are some things that are being measured, which are decreasing very, like very, very much within that time frame. So, so what's happening there? We can we can unpack that for a long time. I think um, Sir Ken Robinson has one of the most most famous TED talks. Um, I think there's you know I don't know how many tens of millions of views there are. It's called uh, Schools Kill Creativity, and it I you know that's essentially what what I believe as well. Like there's 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 an educational structure, and my friend John Dunn liked to say that that schools are a technology that are aimed to produce something, right? They're a technology that was developed in the 19th century. And they use information from the 20th century. Have you ever had a textbook that that doesn't doesn't incorporate the, the discoveries of quantum physics, for example? <laughs> um, you're using a textbook from the beginning of the 20th century, in fact. And then we're using them to prepare our children for the 21st century, which, you know, as, as many different studies have have put forth the the future of work is completely uncertain 
There's there's no telling what the way that AI is going to um, basically take people's jobs, right? And then and then the jobs that that stay around, the jobs that will be definitely still in, still in human hands and hearts in in 20 years and 30 years and 50 years are the jobs that have to do with creativity. That's what AI has not been able to replicate. And I, and I say that with some caveats too, because they're doing some amazing things with AI like in machine learning and all that. But, but, um, but essentially creativity is, is what makes us human. And so, um, imagination, you know, that's one of the things that, that gets cut out of kids, you know, don't, don't color this, any color, color it the color that it is. Um, uh, you know, don't daydream, pay attention. Um, so just so many ways in which, in which, uh, that imagination gets cut off and that we have to retrain ourselves to imagine that, that that's been my path. I, I, you know, I close my eyes and, and, you know, I'll be on like a Guatemalan yoga teacher training and somebody's doing a, a, a shamanic journey and they're telling me about the Jaguar I'm seeing. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't see a Jaguar because I, I don't have a very rich imagination and, and maybe that's just me or maybe it's because it kind of got squashed out of me as a kid. Um, and that, that that being said, I was in a I was in a very um, supportive household for sure. Definitely, you know, Philly public schools are are um, are challenged themselves. But I was in a great Philly public school, um, but just not challenged to to imagine things very much at all. So uh, over time, that we 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 kind of that muscle atrophies, and and so the expression of our of our intuition and our imagination, um, yeah. Uh, I love it. And and what I would add to that is that creativity, and this is a, a kind of a more classical definition of creativity, is that it takes two or more disparate, seemingly disparate, different elements and brings them together to create something new and of value. So there's this idea of novelty, there's this idea of value, which as you said, are loaded terms. Um, you know, novelty, is it new to you? Is it new to us? Is it new to knit? Like, and value, you know, when is it valuable for who, blah, blah, blah. And in fact, the more people it's valuable for, you can get to the term innovation, right? Creativity that's valuable for big groups of people ends up being innovation because think people change the way they do things because it makes sense. Um, it's, it's valuable, right? So so that's just a, a another, also the other the other aspect of that is that it brings things together. You know, human beings, we don't create something from nothing. We We take things that exist and bring them together. And in order to bring things together, we need to be attentive to our environment, right? There, our attention is a big piece of creativity, and what we're seeing, and the way that we're seeing it. And you know, if I, if I wanted to, 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 to play a song for you right now, I could, I could like, you know, make some, some Bobby McFerrin type beatbox, or I could just remember, you know, oh, I just saw my ukulele sitting over there, and I could go and get it, and then it would be a different kind of, you know, experience. So. So the the attention and the way that we we interact with the world is 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 critical, um, and then there's this idea of of how we, you know, how we feel about ourselves, and I think that um, one of the things that I've discovered or uncovered or, or experienced as I as I play with people's creativity is that the the first and major limitation is is my own self esteem and my own my own ability to love myself. Um, because if I don't believe in myself from a very, like, very steady foundation, 
I will always prefer to copy someone else's ideas rather than put my own untried and unproven ideas out there to see what happens. Um, and that, and, that, and that's across the board. And, um, you know, I found it particularly in communities of, of poverty, um, particularly in women, uh, very low self-esteem um, is, is the biggest limitation to creativity. But it's really interesting because, because the way that I've been able to, to access them is, is, is by supporting their out their self-esteem by giving them access to their creativity, not giving them access to their creativity because nobody can do that, but by encouraging them and supporting them and inspiring them to believe in their own creativity makes them understand their their unique value in the world and then that improves the self-esteem and then that becomes a sort of a positive um you know an upward spiral rather than this kind of a downward spiral of i don't believe in myself and so i don't try anything new so nothing good happens so i don't believe in myself and that can be shifted by like oh i'll try something new and oh it didn't work but i learned something interesting and so then i, I i'm capable of learning and then i i, I start to gent gently and slowly become lifted out of a situation that I'm in. And I've seen that happen in, in communities. And it's not to say that, you know, somebody, uh, a CEO of a bank has a, a high self-esteem. And very often it's, it's um, you know, people in positions of power that uh, it's kind of a drive to be in power that's, that's often sparked by a low self-esteem. And so, so, because the self-esteem is not necessarily like my achievements. The self-esteem is that I'm in, in inherently of worth and I love myself. And, um, and that, that is, that is not, it's not just, you know, poor people or, or, or people in difficult situations or, 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 or you know, everybody, I think across the board has some reckoning to do with, with the level of self-love that, that we're able to, to access. I don't know if, if that resonates for you. <laughs> Definitely resonates for me. And it's something that I'm, we, um, when I think of the four gardens approach to when, where this comes from, I feel like this, what I, one agenda I have or thing I want out of it is for people to take creativity and direct it to their lives the way you've inspired me to do that to my life and many others with the flow design process that you lead of taking our creativity. And it, one thing that, process has done for me and other work with you has been to see things what's possible instead of what's right in front of me see beyond see mm -hmm. look 90 days creatively into the future if you ask mm -hmm. people what they want in 90 days often it might be very um solar goals we'll get into lunar solar but it might be very not uncreative let's just say what they're told to want what they've always wanted and not what they allowing their imagination uh to, to really play and in my in my life uh, I've been really experimenting with, especially the last two years leading up to this, this moment to have starting a podcast and, and trying a bunch of ideas out in the world is noticing that what's possible for me is really only limited by my imagination in many ways, my creativity. Mm -hmm. And I am in a privileged position to be able to pursue a lot of the things I'm doing, of course, but this is a limitation I see across the board of people I know across the spectrum of economic realities and personal realities is imagination is and creativity is often our biggest barrier you talk about people not giving themselves permission to try something new to live a different way i see that in so many different places mm -hmm. in the world so this i see creativity as it has this power of unlocking unlocking so many possibilities for us that weren't there without it and 
and essential to getting to what we need to getting to. So let me like also run by you where I put it in the four gardens too, to respond to your self-care and self-love point too, is that I have a health, nature, creativity, service. So I put it third because I see health as including emotional and personal well-being, self-love coming out of that in that health category. I see nature as being this connection to spirit too. I think that not only do we need to love ourselves, but I think having that spiritual connection to what's all the other life around us, to the natural, the natural world, to our, our faith, if, we have, if, if we're a person of faith or religion, that, those are, that if those are, if we can come into alignment with those, and creativity helps, of course, come into alignment with them, it unlocks, like that's, that's this position of strength I want to see us in, in order to really access our creative potential and then turn it, put it to work towards service, which is the fourth garden of how do, mm-hmm. we, how do we turn creativity how do we turn this incredible birthright, this power we have to bring disparate elements together to reimagine our world, which is so necessary right now. And I, mm-hmm. I was a preschool teacher. You, know, you know that about me. And, and you're, you now have your young sons and you see, I love this point too. I want to respond to that about young children, the plasticity of their thoughts, the mm-hmm. incredible hundred different ways they see every object and possibility and situation. When we come down and we see our lives, it's so boring. I'm so frustrated sometimes with the limitations I put on myself and others put on themselves of when we are infinite beings truly, and this world is infinitely rich with possibilities. And so here's the, here are these tools to unlock. It's work and play. It's, it's consistent, persistent play that's required to unlock these realities in the world. And I, I am so inspired by the work you're doing with it and and it and so much i'm bringing it in now to these systems in my work and my play and so yeah just just vibing on everything you're saying here and would love to love to shift a little bit to hear about some of the innovations you made with flow design with uh with 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 processes a little bit around creativity that people can work with yeah play with play with (laughs) ah yeah there we go (laughs) thanks for that or gameplay. I, I, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's a critical piece of it. Um, so I mentioned, I mentioned one of my mentors, Tim Herson. Um, he created a, a, a version. So, so let me go back a little bit further. Uh, Sid Parnes and, um, and, and his colleagues in the, the Buffalo State University created a, a problem solving methodology uh, called creative problem solving or CPS. That's, um, that's been, you know, it's been sort of the the standard uh, in this academic and in, in industrial world for for how to do creative processes and understanding that it has phases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my one of my mentors, Tim Herson, kind of comes from that school and decided that it was it was it was missing some pieces. And so he he created uh, a methodology he, he likes to call productive thinking. Um, and he has done this around the world in some major companies and, and used it in really beautiful ways. He also has a, a Facilitators Without Borders organization that uses you know, similar methodologies to support uh, nonprofit uh, and socially minded endeavors. So he's doing really amazing things with this. And I, I got trained. Um, he, he has a book called Think Better, which, uh, which describes it. Highly recommend it. Great, easy read. Um, and, and so I took his training. And uh, loved it, you know, became enamored of it, went back to Guatemala where I was uh, working with a nonprofit, um, with the same nonprofit, it's called Imahitlan, which means the place of the imagination. And we were in the midst of kind of a, an internal crisis of, of, of membership and of, you know, being able to find 
find grants and uh, funding. And um, so I said, well, let's do a productive thinking for ourselves. And and so we did the process. I facilitated it. And we, we kind of realized that that the root of our challenges was that our, our individual members were were just facing big challenges in their lives and they were unable to show up to to be a part of the organization in any meaningful way um, because they needed money and the organization wasn't providing money so that they weren't showing up so that we weren't able to provide money and became this sort of a you know, downward spiral. So the, the solution that came out of that was that we would do individual sessions of productive thinking for each of our members. That is a kind of a, a, a benefit of being a member. You'd get this, get to do this, this process. Um, and we called it uh, fluid or flow. Um, and, uh, and, and at that point I started to tweak the process and I started to say, well, what I learned makes sense in a, in a North American boardroom context. Um, not just North American, you know, that around the world this is where it's been used and where it makes sense, but definitely a different like sort of, uh, intention around it, um, than this kind of self-work for an NGO. And so I started to, to shift some things. And one of the one of the first things that I shifted, one of the most important pieces that I found in this is this dichotomy of thinking um, of, of, a, of a kind of a, they call it um, divergent thinking and convergent thinking. It's just a big, big deal in cre creativity world. And, and that, that might not mean much to you. So, and it didn't mean anything to the, to the, the Mayan women that I was working with so I, I looked for a way of, of describing that dichotomy that could um, give it some meaning and some context and some 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 the ability to remember it and use it in different ways and 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 so I started to play with the idea of lunar and solar and um, that's been kind of the the major shift for me as well as you know shifting some of the ways that that we we bring people through the process and and that's what's given birth to flow design and then. Um, I started to realize that in our yoga teacher trainings, we could use this flow design process. Um, well, let me go back to Imahitlan real quick. We we kind of helped everybody get what they get their dreams, and then we didn't have anybody to work in our organization because their dreams were in different directions, and uh, so the organization kind of collapsed and into a into a just a a tight network of, of three people who are continue to, you know, legally keep it afloat um, so that hopefully one day soon I can go back there and do a project with them. It's, you know, it, it's what's needed in the moment and, and being, being willing to, to let go of things is another big piece of creativity, right, Jake? Like our attachment to things in the way they are and the way they must be is limiting us from all the other possibilities that, that may be, may exist and may be around. Um, so, so that's a, that's a big, big piece of what happened. And, and in Imagine Land, we were able to sort of sort of release our our need to have this organization be a big player in the in the in the in the nonprofit world and and realize that really what we wanted was our our people to be good and thriving. So so then kind of fast forward forward and I and and I, I used the same the same collaborative design process to with a group of yoga teachers to form the Kula Collective and we formed an international yoga school that was that was based on, you know, all of our, our individual values and, and to very, very quick summary of the flow design process is the first thing you do is understand kind of a network or, or a net of 
strengths and challenges. And then the way that those play off of each other and kind of constellations can, and then understanding what life would be like without that can lead you to a vision of, of what your life is like without this, when you're beyond these, these challenges. And then from that vision of, which is long-term, you, you take a, 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 a 90 day perspective and say, okay, if that's where I want to be eventually, what can I work on in the next 90 days to sort of move me in that direction? Um, and that, in, in a few words is the, is the flow design process. So we started doing that more and more, um, and using that as a, as a way of helping people in these, in these immersive, intensive yoga teacher training experiences to understand, um, their own kind of individual unique vision, and then take all the tools that, that, you know, it's kind of being at one of those trainings is, you know, Jake, it's like trying to drink from a, from a fire hydrant, just all this information and experiences coming in, um, at high speed. And so the challenge in those experiences is, okay, what, what, what's the transition? How do I bring what I've learned into my life? And, and flow design has been really powerful for that. So hundreds of people have done it now in the context of these, of these trainings and the, the feedback I consistently get afterwards is, wow, like it didn't happen like I thought it was, but you know, the things that I wrote down, I'm doing. And, and that, that fills me because it, it means that people that have, have, have had these experiences of kind of coming into touch with themselves and, and their, their potential as, as yoga teacher and, and all the other things that, that, that enables them to be, um, is, is, is they're also imagining new ways of doing it. So, so that's kind of how the flow design has been developing over time, you know, and I've, I, my, my, my wife and business partners make fun of me because it's like, there's a new iteration of flow design. Every time we do the training, I'm like, Oh wait, change the manual, change this word or like change this, that, that, that you know, we're not going to call it a landmark anymore. We're going to call it a landscape and we're going to, so I think I have a final ish version now, um, at least for a while. I'm excited actually about, about putting it into app form. Um, so that people can have a, have a flow design app that they can that they can use to to do this process on, in a guided way, but but under their on their own. Is there um, a way people can find it now? More about the flow design online? Yeah, right now the lunar solar design I'll link dot that, com yeah. is um, is the, the the website in waiting. Um, so so that's where you know you can you can write for more information um, and, and find out find out just sort of some general stuff and and the the construction of that is is uh awaiting my three-year-old to get back into school or <laughs> something like that good luck <laughs> yeah L let's uh let's do the lunar solar too in the practice episode after this we'll record too so I'm, I'm excited to share that distinction of lunar solar and convergent divergent thinking so, so check out the practice uh episode coming coming up coming up soon and so that'll be that'll be available, and I'll I'll share too. I, I think, of course, it makes sense to all like that. You're always changing a creative a creative process. You're always <laughs> editing and innovating on that. So I I I, I pre I think that is I would expect that. So I think uh, <laughs> I, I support you on, on that too. And I'll share a personal reflection of recently of doing the flow design work play with Zach two months ago, three months ago, uh, helped me really clarify a generative question which was how do I balance and direct my energy? I was feeling at a time where, I guess it was in the spring this year, where I was feeling a little unclear how to integrate everything I'd experienced with COVID and professionally and personally in my life. 
and in a time where I was doing a lot of traveling and self-reflection uh, and doing the flow design process for me really directed my awareness to what is the deeper question that I'm curious about in my life right now. What is the question that's going to create change for me, create uh, amazing, meaningful play in, in my life right now? And that, that question of balancing and directing my energy and my, so it became actions and awareness for me too later. But I, I did a bunch of consideration and reflection on that and then kind of let it go. And that was when, and I see uncon the unconscious mind is having a, an intimate role in cre our creativity mm -hmm. and my creativity. And uh, thinking about the book Deep Work I recently read where he talks about how much is happening when we're taking that walk, when we're away from our computer for writers, when we're away from our base for basis, uh, around our mind, the, the kind of unconscious role it plays in creativity and in the deep manifestation or inventions. Uh, so many inventions were made away from the inventor's studio mm -hmm. or workshop. And so I think about that a lot. And that's sort of what happened to me with the four gardens was that I realized I needed more than just uh, journaling. Uh, journaling was a key for me uh, to get to, to get to this, but it was that I needed some systems and some rules for myself that actually, I don't like the word rules for myself. I see four gardens as more being, uh, I needed an approach, a, a different structure, a creative structure that was a balance between form and, and abstraction and ambiguity. So for me, the four gardens is ambiguous enough that I get to just play with it a lot and change it and create within it. But it gives me a structure that allows me to make some practical design choices in my life that allows me to, to ask deep questions and say, well, how am I attending my garden of creativity or service today? How am I in balance right now? When I find so much personal development technology out there and books and structure is not thinking about balance enough to me and not thinking about us as whole humans, but instead as, as machines that are trying to lose weight, machines that are trying to stop smoking, machines that want to make more money. And I think those are superficial goals when my deeper intention and ambition is to find balance, happiness, joy, wisdom, healing, these forces in my life uh, and, not, and not just some metric that I'm trying to defeat uh, and, and score right. on. And so to me, the flow design was... Uh, essentially getting deeper into my own process and my own work. So I'm really grateful for that and having done it twice. And I, I, I think it's one of the most unique things about the Kula Collective program is that that is, I, don't, I, I think it's pretty safe to say there's no other yoga teacher training where you do a flow design. Is that, yeah. am, I, am I correct in that? You are correct in that. <laughs> I'm, there's, there's, there's elements of it, right? That, right. that, that people will do, you know, sort of there, there's this pretty popular like passion test to sort of understand what your passions are. And I think that what the flow design does is like you said, it's like, okay, there's a, there's actually a structure to this guys. Like, you, you know, we can't just be lunar all the time. And again, well, like you said, we'll get into more about what lunar and solar is, but you can't just float around in the clouds all the time. You got to bring your feet down to the ground, but you can't just always have your feet on the ground either. Or your, your progress is going to be incremental. You know, how can you combine these flights of whimsy with actually like pulling landing f further forward towards where you want to go? Um, and that's a challenge. And I think one of the things that that really excites me about this four gardens um, aspect is that um, it's encouraging people um, toward toward service um, that, that it's, it's recognizing that as, a, as an essential piece of kind of my my humanity. Um as you, as you made reference to, you know, the world is a crazy place these days and, you know, debatably it's always been and always will be. Um, but it just it feels like a crescendo right now. And 
I like to say, you know, creativity will save the world. <laughs> and, but more specifically, and I really believe this, that it has to be co-creativity that will save the world. Like I, I and, that, and so, 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 you know, four gardens is not something that you're doing on your own. You no. have a group of people that a team that you work with and that, and that, that we've done some of the, 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 the collaborative flow design with together. And, and that's really where my passion is. I love to work with, with people, play with people and get them, you know, aligned on their vision and moving towards it. And what really turns me on is supporting collaborative design processes, because I believe that the, the challenges that we're facing in this world today are not going to be resolved by any one person's ideas, any one person's actions, you know, any, any organization with one person at the top that's driving it. Like we need to figure out the collaboration piece. We need to come together and, 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 and do this in ways that, that is inclusive. Um, and, and that is a challenge. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a challenge enough to, to, to access my own creativity, but then like to, to, for me to access my creativity and then merge it with you who's accessed your creativity, which I guarantee is going to be remarkably different from my creativity when you feel inspired and the way that you feel inspired and all of that. It's so different from person to person. It just becomes this massive challenge of 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 how we can we can really channel the best possibilities um, into our our create our co creations. Uh, because again, you know the the climate crisis. These are massive, complex situations that that no one person can 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 figure out. So how can we how can we really you know fast track and, and, and power up our, our abilities of, of collaboration. So that's, that's what I'm, I'm really, and you know, one of your questions and I, and I might be jumping the gun here, Jake, but uh, one of your questions for me as we prepared for this was, you know, where, which of the gardens am I feeling challenged in right now? Um, and, and for me, it's service. I, I, I live in a, a, a beautiful place. I, I, I get, I have plenty of, of great organic local food. Um, I have my family around me. I feel healthy. Uh, I feel connected to nature. Um, I have, I have creative outlets. How am I serving? And this has been, you know, throughout my life, um, an issue for me, you know, uh, there's, there's some level of responsibility. I feel, you know, uh, a white male Harvard educated person has, enormous amounts of privilege. And so how do I leverage that? And, and, and so the, the shift for me has been sort of feeling guilt around that and trying to, trying to, you know, rectify some of that by, by helping the world just generally to, to actually saying, okay, well, how can I leverage this? Uh, how can I leverage this so that it, it, it feeds me and also feeds the world. And right now let's be, let's challenge. Um, I think, I think COVID has COVID and, and the, the murder of George Floyd has um, brought into stark, stark detail and awareness the, the, the disparities and and um, and injustices that 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 exist in our world. Um, I studied African American studies, and and that was my my focus in in college. And it's been social justice work has been my uh, my passion for. You know, all my life, which which I probably got from in the breast milk from my mom. Um, but 
but in in this in this it's just hard right now it's hard to know how to engage when i can't you know go anywhere i can't talk to people safely i can't uh and and the and the, the 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 challenges that people are facing are so deep that that there's not time to get people together to do a flow design process you know there's not um what would that look like? Everybody's burnt out of being online. You know, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out how, and you know, my wife reminds me, you know, you're, you're doing something, you know, you're doing these classes, you're doing these courses, you know, there's hundreds of people in the world who have done the flow design process and, you know, you're, you're there. And she tries to make me feel better about my, my angst around, around service. And, and how can I really be serving the world in this time of need? How can I, how can I be supporting Afghan refugees? I mean, there's so many timely and 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 not timely challenges that we're facing in the world not timely meaning that they're, they're sort of perpetual but um I, I i don't know and and i don't have any answers for that for myself right now um just just some frustration and so i yeah i wanted to wanted to, to answer your question around that and and um Yeah, I'm, I'm open for ideas and support, but like, but but that just feels like, right now, the the world is is a hard place to 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 get into and figure out how I can do my part to make it better because the the the, the making it better seems so so polarized, balkanized, and um, and difficult this stage of the game. Yeah, and. I imagine I, I'm relating to this and I imagine others are relating to this. This angst is a common one right now. I have to share. I know. And it's personalized yeah. too. Of course, you're feeling it your own way with your, in your own context too right now. And yeah, I'm hearing this, um, this, that you're, you're saying this angst, you feel this frustration is growing out of the, your limitations you have around really doing your work in the world outside of seven Springs, like being other places, you know, this whole world is, is moving with George Floyd murder with, What's happening in Afghanistan, these like kind of big movement, uh, big movements in the world that are beyond us in some way of climate, the climate crisis that we're all witnessing these changes too. So I'm also, I'm curious if uh, on one hand, if there's some grief uh, coming up too, if this anxiety or frustration to you feels like an expression of, of grief, where you're feeling that in your body. Uh, mm -hmm. That's one question I'm coming with. And I think the other one is just like hearing, yeah, let's start with that. Cause I do feel like I'm curious I know, uh, to talk about the actions that are going to grow out of this, but first let's talk about the feeling. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I think, I think grief is, um, it's kind of the main, the main sensation. Um, and to, to go back to one of the other gardens, the, the, the nature garden and my connection with the nature here, um, what I've, what I've realized living in this beautiful piece of land for, you know, the last five or six years is that this, this land is in, in a state of grief as well. You know, it wasn't 70 or 80 years that this was all clear cut. And it's hard for me to imagine that so much diversity and abundance has, has come back, uh, in such a short amount of time. And also recognizing that that this is nothing compared to what was here 200, 300 years ago. Um, and so the land itself is in this process of, of healing and recovery. And, um, and, and that it's pretty unique that 
the land has the opportunity to do this. I mean, we're, we're right over the hills from, from Smoky Mountain National Park, which was created because it was completely clear cut and nobody wanted it. So they gave it to the feds. <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that simultaneously helps me understand that the grief that I'm feeling is not, not just my own. Um, it's not, it's, it's, it's the planet, you know, that, um, a big, a big part of my process in nature, my, my, my personal vision now through the flow design is I heal with nature. And, um, and I really feel that I'm able from time to time to, to, to take down the, the kind of imposed concept of me as being separate from nature. I'm able to access this, this feeling of, of actually being a part of it. And, and when I'm able to do that is when I, I can tune into this deep, deep grief um, that's being felt by the planet, that's being felt by people all over the planet who are, are not able to access the, the bounty that, that we have here and that, that is possible. So, so yeah, I appreciate the, 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 the question about grief. Um, and as they say, the only way out of grief is through it. Mm. There's some deep insights here. I, I think too, in this, the way this conversation is moving, moving is that I'm, I'm realizing is that what can often appear to be uh, a challenge in one garden and service actually connects back to nature and health for you is what I'm hearing too, of how to me, grief is, is, is often tended in those two gardens first, you know, the other gardens of service and create creativity, uh, can be part of that healing, but there's almost the first, a recognition that, Hey, this grief is, I feel it in my body. I feel it. It's affecting my health, how I'm showing up for myself each day. Right. Um, what's my relationship? How do I in right relationship to the land? And I, I was listening to another podcast for the wild, uh, a recent episode with Alok, um, which I really was inspired by uh, around, uh, around, it was around gender issues, but, and, uh, and, and relation to the land. And they, but they were, he, he was saying, or they were saying in the podcast that describing Americans as the general state of Americans as walking around full of repressed grief, that we live in a violent society in a society where we're not mourning, we're not grieving. We are designed, we've designed our systems to distract ourselves from our grief. And that yeah. that is the essential work, um, that the essential, when they talk about gender, uh, they were to saying that, as cisgendered males too, our, our first violent act is in the, is in against our own divine feminine, right? That there's initial wounds we do to ourselves that we're walking with that men. And this is, this is where the, the violence against uh, trans people comes out or queer, queer people is, is, is a, a further expression of these early violent act we've done as uh, cisgendered males. And I was, I, that hit me deeply that, that insight. So that's just my own, that's one type of grief I've been, moving with as I do some of this work with gender too. And I see it with the land as well as there being, uh, just this mass, this vast grief you know, Joanna Macy's work that reconnects comes up for me too around that and other others. Um, but I just think about as you're sharing that it makes me think about how I want to start looking at when I am seeing a blockage in my service, how that's where that's related to. And I'm curious hearing for you, that recognition, is there anything else coming up for you around that recognition of more reflection or actions you want to take? What's your process now naming that? Where are you at? 
I don't know. I, I, you know, I'd love to say that's sort of sort of a revelation of how I move forward. Um, but the reality of my days is that I'm I'm changing diapers and and running around with a three year old at this point. And um, I do I do have the opportunity to to work on a on on a on a curriculum and creativity for preschool teachers in in rural Guatemalan settings. Um, uh, and that's that's where I'm I'm focusing my my energy and attention um, at this point. What what I have, you know, after after everybody gets into bed, I I get to 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 play a little bit with curriculum design. Um, and I think that the that the that the grief for me is. Uh, You know, I just just keep tending the garden. I think that's that's what that's what I do. You know, I, I got I got a I got a swale to dig. I, I got um, some invasive species to go and pull. Uh, I got a fallen tree that I'm going to go chainsaw. <laughs> you know, like this is kind of the, the the I have a I have a literal garden to tend. Um, that's 126 acres out here, and uh, and that that feels right for me. Um, Ceremony and spirituality is another aspect of it for sure. Uh, and, and I, I had the, the privilege to, to really connect deeply with the, with my spirituality while I was, while I was living there. Um, and, and that continues to be, uh, a source of, of, um, healing for me and, and, and expression. Um, so, so I think that's, that's one aspect of it sort of, um, finding out way, finding ways to be in ceremony in places, um, and very linked with, with nature in that. Um, but most often my ceremony is, um, is, is going, going back to the spring and, and, uh, leaving some water at a little altar there and then, and then just getting rid of invasive species. And that's, um, you know, thinking about, thinking about, my kids and you know what their grandkids are going to be facing in the world and and what can i do now to make sure that this privet won't be here when 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 they're back so yeah it's really it's really immersing myself in the in the in the day-to-day -day pieces of it and the in the raising conscious boys and um and that that understand consent and that um that are in touch with their feelings and that uh don't don't have to uh, make that wound so deep with the, with the, with the feminine, you know, um, and that they can, they have tools to overcome, overcome whatever wounds they, they're inflicted to because of my, my own wounds, which I'm inflicting on them, you know, all that, that routine. Um, so, so yeah, it's really, it's really, you know, the grief for me at this point is something that, you know, recognizing it is, is, is important. And then, but it's just the, the kind of the day to day that that needs to happen, and and there's 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 people that I've been meaning to call to see if there's ways to get in touch, but what I realize more and more is that, um, you know, I don't I don't have the time and the ability to follow through with a lot of things, so I've stopped making those initial outreaches, mm. um, and and it's not just me, but it's it's the the, the world right now has made these these kind of the follow through on these things really challenging, um, and so. 
so my tendency has been to step back from from engaging in um, in the in, in trying to initiate things um, because everybody's 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 really busy and and uh, trying to trying to tend their gardens right are you open to a suggestion on this i love one yeah yeah i've got one coming up for me now which is and a four gardens one um is i'm just i know a bit of your reality i've just visited you and yeah and uh so coming back if, soon. if i'm projecting yeah let me know but i know how much you you know you just name some of the things you're doing right thank you for raising these conscious boys uh for tending the land for holding space for all you do so much i just want to mirror that back to you in my experience of you i i, I personally I know it's not a projection because I've received some of it, um, uh, of the gatherings you've held, of the teaching you do. You're a busy guy doing a lot. And this feeling, part of why the four gardens helped me was just taking five minutes a day is my suggestion and writing down all the things you're doing for each of these gardens, uh, mm. especially service is I, I feel like is you are serving in so many ways. And I think for me, I was ending the day and even though I felt like I had a good day, I didn't really, I wasn't recognizing how much I was actually doing for myself and others in my day. And, and then when I did find a scarcity, I was able to add one action um, that was just meeting the need. I didn't do that day. You know, when I did that at 6 PM. So I just would, uh, my suggestion is taking five minutes each day just to, awesome. just to do write a word, word for a couple words for each garden and just, just do that reflection. Take that moment whenever it fits in your routine I'd love to hear how it goes too. If you just do it for, commit to do it for a week and just awesome. see, I want, my curiosity is to see if it affects that feeling of not being able to do enough in the world um, and keeps you in your reality here where you are making a huge difference. So that's my suggestion. Sweet. Do you have any, um, any four gardens journals I can buy that are divided <laughs> into four sections that stay that, tuned. That is coming. Okay. That is coming. Uh, I, awesome. I, that is part of the four gardens development for sure there will be some some tools and resources and yeah this uh this conversation's really really touched my heart zach I, I just it's why i do the podcast is to have deeper conversations with really inspiring deep with wise people like you have you know i've already feel like we have a long long saga of beautiful conversations and so i'm grateful to add this one into the list of those and make it one that everybody else can enjoy that we've saved uh, as, as a, as an artifact for others to enjoy in ourselves, our future selves. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to come on and do this with me. Right on. Thank you, Jake. It's a pleasure. Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the four gardens. It was Zach town Smith. Uh, please also check out the practice we're recording and, uh, look for his links, uh, in the description. Have a great day.